0: Hello and welcome to the LDS study session with Come, Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and we're on episode 220 today. Uh, this is the fifth part of our Come, Follow Me study for this week. We are still in December 30th to January the fir- 5th, in, covering the introductory pages of the Book of Mormon. We're looking in the personal scripture study section, which uh, is covering the testimony of the prophet Joseph Smith, uh, which talks about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon was a miracle. Um Now, this is a great question because it really deals with what we discussed as a family in our study yesterday. If someone asked you where the Book of Mormon came from, what would you say? How would you describe the Lord's hand in bringing forth the Book of Mormon? How did Joseph Smith describe the coming forth of the Book of Mormon? We actually, um, I'll I'll share what we did yesterday as a family tomorrow because I think that'll fit better. Uh, What I'm going to focus on today is the beginning part uh, of Joseph Smith actually receiving the Book of Mormon. Uh, and then we'll move on to the translation of it uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, to begin with, if we look at the testimony of the Prophet Joseph Smith, this is obviously taken from the uh, Joseph Smith history, uh, and there's a fuller version back there. Um, but we know that he was praying. Um, well, obviously, this obviously links to the first vision, which we'll, we'll be celebrating the bicentennial of this year. Um, but, of course, um, we then move forward in time a bit, and, the, and Joseph Smith, after three years, three and a half years or so, is praying uh, in, in his room and he receives a vision um, or a, a visitation, I should say. Not really a vision, but a visit from the angel Moroni. Uh, or, <laughs> as my son yesterday said, uh, when we were talking about, um, you know, who who came to Joseph Smith uh, and to give a prompt, we said, oh, we, we see them on top of a lot of our temples. Uh, my son said, Captain Moroni. Uh, sorry, not Captain Moroni, uh, Captain America. Um, not, not on purpose. I think he, he knew it was Captain Moroni. But obviously, you know, a captain that he knows of um, right now is Captain America. And he's, a, you know, he likes his superheroes. So uh, that was a bit of a funny moment. Uh, but no, it was, and actually it wasn't Captain Moroni at all. It was Moroni, a different Moroni. But um, we, we explained that. Uh, and we have this vision here. Now, what I've always found interesting is the way that Joseph Smith describes in detail just the, the angel Moroni. He talks about, obviously, the, the clothes he was wearing, but he also talks about the length of the, the sleeves. You know, he says uh, in, in here, his hands were naked and his arms also a little above the wrists. So also were his feet naked, as were his legs a, th- a little above the ankles. Uh, and I just, you know, I've always wondered, you know, why is, um, why is he so detailed? in describing this vision, in describing um, the, the the nature of what he looked like, but also in the second paragraph of his description, he talks about um, the glorious nature and the countenance that Moroni had. Um, it, really was, it really is very detailed when you think about it, and I always wondered why. Um, there is a quote uh, by uh, that I wanted to share by Sterling W. Sill, uh, who said this, quote, We all know the things that we do to make this body a pleasant habitation. We bathe it, keep it clean, we dress it in the most appropriate clothing. Sometimes we ornament it with jewellery. If we're very wealthy, we buy necklaces and bracelets and diamond rings and other things to make this body sparkle and shine and make it a pleasant place. Sometimes we work on it a little bit with cosmetics and eyebrow tweezers. Sometimes we don't help it very much, but we keep working at it all the time. Now, if you think it would be pleasant to be dressed in expensive clothing, what do you think it would be like to be dressed in an, in, a, in an expensive body, one that shines like the sun, one that is beautiful beyond all comprehension, with quickened senses, amplified powers of perception, and vastly increased capacity for love, understanding, and happiness? Or we might just keep in mind that God runs the most effective beauty parlor ever known in the world. Close quote. Um, I thought that was a very interesting quote by him, uh, and it made me think about how this vision was so detailed because the prophet Joseph Smith wanted to let us know just how miraculous this was, that this person just wasn't a, a regular person, but he wanted us to describe every detail because it was such a miracle, and it was such a, uh, an amazing thing to see. We then move on, and he, he, uh, Moroni says um, the well-known thing that we know that he says uh, about God having a work for Joseph Smith to do, and then quoting from him, he, he said and that my name should be had for good and evil among all nations, kindreds and tongues, or that it should be both good and evil spoken of among all people. Um, We know this quote very well. It's mentioned very often about how the Prophet Joseph Smith, obviously we speak of him in in good terms, but obviously many people don't. Uh, In a talk called We Bear Witness of Him in April 1998, Gordon B. Hinckley said this, um, quote, it was in this home that Moroni the angel appeared to the boy Joseph, calling him by name and telling him that God had a work for him to do and that his name should be had for good and evil among all nations, kindreds and tongues, or that it should both be both good and evil spoken of among all people. How could a farm boy, largely without formal education, have dared to say such a thing? And yet it has all come to pass and will continue to increase as this restored gospel is taught across the world, Close quote. I mean... In April 1998, we could only just begin to imagine the, the things that would be said about the prophet Joseph Smith across the world, particularly now with the um, kind of the mass ex, uh, receptiveness of the, of the Internet um, and quicker Internet and websites and so on and blogs and podcasts and all these things. Um, short, certainly, this prophecy by Moroni that Joseph Smith's name would be had for good and for evil across the world has certainly come to pass. And as be Hinckley or President Hinckley at that time as he was, pointed out, um, how could he have made such a claim? You know, we, I think we seem to think, I, well, I certainly seem to forget that, you know, if the Prophet Joseph Smith had made this up and he had said this, made, made fabricated this statement, that his name would be had for good and evil among all nations, kindreds and tongues, he's implying that his name would be known across the world and that it would be, you know, slated and also praised. Um, and remember, he was at this stage a 17, 17-ish year old boy, farm boy with very little education. I mean, you'd have to be pretty bold to say that uh, if he was making this up. But of course, we know he wasn't. And, and we know this prophecy has come to pass. His name is indeed had for, for good and for evil across the world. Um, what I also like is um, how, I mean, there's a lot of things that Moroni talks about. I could go into about the miracle that he. the first thing he states about is the Book of Mormon. Um, and then also the second thing he talks about is the, the spirit of Elijah and family history and the temple work. That is such an important part. But we can, I could talk about that another time. Um, I'm focusing on the miracle nature of the Book of Mormon. But something that he said was interesting um, On the middle of the second page, it says this, quote, And added a caution to me, telling me that Satan would try to tempt me in consequence of the indignant circumstances of my father's family to get the plates for the purpose of getting rich. Uh, Now, what's interesting with that, I think, is that this teaches me two things. First of all, that the Lord knows our individual appetites. He obviously knew the prophet Joseph Smith, and he obviously knew that this would be a real temptation for him. We know that we all suffer and deal with different temptations and different strengths. The things I, I struggle with are far different from the things that my wife struggles with, and they are far different from the things that our friends struggle with, and so on. Um, we all have our individual strengths and areas to, to improve. The prophet Joseph Smith was no different, and actually, when you read this, and read about the temptation that it would be to use the plates for getting rich i mean i'd like to think that if i was in that situation i wouldn't have that temptation but when you think of the things that he did or was working on or you know his hobbies uh before this stage you know you, you read the things about the prophet joseph smith and using uh, a seer stone and various instruments to to search for gold and things like that actually that makes sense that the lord would then say to him look this is going to be a real temptation for you. That, and I'm going to make, because he could have said anything. There could be a number of things that the prophet Joseph Smith would have struggled with uh, in, in translating this record. He could, have had, he could have doubted the faith, his faith. He could have um, had a number of things that he would have a problem with. But the main problem that he was warned about was the, the use of the plates to get rich, which I thought was interesting and an interesting insight to the Lord knowing our individual uh, weaknesses and strengths. But another thing as well is just the need to keep this record safe and hidden. You know, some people point to the the secretive nature that the Prophet Joseph Smith kept the plates in as as an evidence that actually it wasn't true, that, you know, he was making it up. But, you know, surely if you've got a massive block of gold, golden plates, you are going to want to keep that hidden from people because they may likely be tempted. And that's another reason why he was warned about it. Um, Just to close, I mean, I am coming up to the 10 minute mark, but there is something which I wanted to uh, talk about in terms of the miraculous nature of the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. I was listening to one of the the five or six podcasts I've added to my uh, list in the past few days since I uh, uh, went to to the other ward and had that list given to me. Um, And I can't remember which podcast mentioned it. So in future, I'm going to have to try and make sure I I specifically name it. But they came up with a wonderful insight or question. I believe it was actually the Meridian Magazine um, podcast. If you just search Meridian Magazine, come follow me on wh- wherever you receive your podcasts, it should come up. It's a great podcast. I really like the first episode for this year, um, and they talked about uh, meet you know the fact that the Prophet Joseph Smith, once uh, he's found the plates, it, of course he had then four years of where he had to come back to that place to receive instruction and training from the angel Moroni, which first of all was would be an, an incredible experience. But of course, this would actually, this makes me think, the Prophet Joseph Smith, he he knew he was going to be going four times over the coming four years for a specific appointment or yearly annual interview with this angel. I mean, how incredibly miraculous is that and exciting? You know, and it led me to think of this question. If you knew, you know, if you had a time set by an angel of the Lord that you would be going to meet him again and receive instruction, how would you prepare? What questions would you take? I mean that would be an incredible opportunity, and such a miraculous experience to have. Uh, I I am almost you know a little envious, a little envious of that experience because it's it's an incredible prospect. But then when you think about it, you think, well, how can that apply? That how can that principle of you know having an appointment with the with an angel or with the law through an angel uh, and being able to take my questions and learn and be edified apply to me? Well, an obvious one is the temple. We, we have an opportunity to make an appointment to be taught from on high in the walls of the temple. Uh, and so whilst I was a little envious at first and excited at the question of, oh, well, if I knew I had an, an interview with an angel, an appointment with an an appointment with an angel, what would I ask and what, how would I prepare? Actually, I then step, took a step back and thought, well, actually, I do have that, a similar opportunity uh, in my life. And so I should use that opportunity more often and with much more preparation. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this study today. Uh, if there's anything, you, any questions you've got, please ask uh, them at Matt S, at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter or email ldsstudysession at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and until we meet again.